The Lord be with you, everyone. And we are coming to you today from our ranch in Bandera, Texas. And um, like everybody else, we're locked in our houses. And so I'm coming to you from right inside the house. Um, when I began to think about doing this, it was specifically for the group that meets here on Sunday, our little group. We don't have a mega church. We have just a few people who gather and we are learning to love one another as he loves us. And so if you're watching, it was meant for you originally. Um, of all the things I miss these days, it is the hug and the voice of those that we love. We, we are creatures who are made to be hugged. You know, if you do not touch and hug a baby, they would die. And um, it's true for us. And I, I miss your hugs. But then I, I thought, well, we have our partners that I send a special message to every month. And I thought I'd send this to them. And then I decided to send it to the whole world. And so all those persons are included, and I want to share with you from Psalm 23. I know that's so well known, and yet maybe of all Psalms, it is not known how to live it. And so quickly, I mean, do I need to read it? It's probably nestled in everybody's head, but I will, or some of it anyway, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm going to stop there because that last verse is what I really want to talk about. Um, this was written, I've told you before, uh, at a time of David's trouble, which you could say was itself the valley of the shadow of death. Only the way it is written, he doesn't appear to think he's there yet. But it was the time when Absalom, his son, was seeking to kill him. His dearest friend, covenant friend, had turned against him and had joined with Absalom and was divulging all of David's secrets and habits and so on. It was a time when he was rejected, alone, and it looked as if death was just around the corner. And that's when he wrote this psalm. And he wrote it, now hear me very carefully, he wrote it as a song of praise. You've got to understand that. He is praising God in this psalm, and he's praising him in the middle of where he finds himself. And so he's praising him in a series of statements. He, he is um, extolling, would be the word, magnifying he is shouting, probably, because he never was quiet about anything. 
And he is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. That, that was a, a, an acclamation of praise. And therefore, I lack nothing. And so on. I, he said, I, I've come to this oasis in life who is the person of, of my God. And therefore, in this oasis, I lie down in green pastures. Or some have translated it lush green meadows or tender green grass. Anything that would excite a sheep leads me beside still waters and so on he is giving praise to god he's agreeing with god for who god is and if god is who god is then this is all that he is to me and i think that's very important this is not a cry for help it's not a prayer oh god please come and help me it is that adamant declaration this is who you are and in the middle of this, my trouble, I declare who you are. And of course, it describes the ultimate relationship. And it's all through the Psalms. And it's, it's a peeve of mine, as you might have noticed in the past, where it says the Lord in capital letters. And you know what I'm going to say. That is how it's been translated but really, uh, that's a very, it's not only bad translation, it's terrible. Lord, in no way reflects what that means in the original language. Go back to Exodus, and in chapter 3, you will find as Moses asks of God, what is your name, your personal name? And the response was, I am. And for reasons beyond my understanding, translators down the years have translated I am as the Lord. Totally different. And so we, we stick with the original language. He is saying I am is my shepherd. I am is, on first hearing, it's kind of strange. Uh, what's your name? I am. But then think about it. He is... He is, I am, without any uh, support. You know, when, when we say, I am, we have to support it. Uh, I mean, if, if I say, I am, really, I should be saying, I am, because he is. We, we, our I ams must have a platform on which to be. But when he says, I am, he is the platform of every other I am, I am, without any, you know, because. It's not an I am that he derives from somewhere else. He simply is, I am. And it's I am that covers every possible movement of life. If, if I speak of a need, as I perceive something, he simply says, I am. And, and so he is the one that swallows up our needs. He is the one who is the original supply. I am. But then he says, I am is my. And the word is is not in the Hebrew language. The translators put that in there to try and make sense. It says, I am my shepherd. So it isn't merely that I am a sheep alongside the shepherd. He is saying that he is sheep in a dynamic 
relationship to the shepherd. It's very different. Um, he, he is saying that he and the shepherd are one. We're not talking about the flock. Uh, and, and I'm just one of the sheep in a big flock. And I look over there and I see the shepherd. David is coming to the very heart of the matter and saying the I am God himself is joined with my and my is the most personal word I can say concerning myself my is where I look at myself where I call myself I and that's where I say my it's it's a it's the word of possession it's the word you learned when you were two years old and realize that that's mine and he is saying that he has a relationship with I am in which I am my. It's a union. It's a, well, I was going to say intermingling. Um, maybe that's not exactly the right image because I am is I am and my is my and yet we be one. And so it is two that are joined together, absolutely one. Only David is the dependent in the relationship. He's the deriving. He says, I am the limitless support, the limitless supply. And he's my, I, I am deriving my life from him. He does not, and this is so important, Nowhere in the scripture do you find persons who have come to know God, do they ever refer to him as separate? Now, <clears throat> don't let me rush by that. God is not separate. Um, if you ask the average Westerner, where is God? They will probably point up because to them God is up. He's over. He's certainly not here. This is my domain, and he's up and over, separated away. And when I need some help, I'll call upon God. Send up SOS flares. Um, now, that's, that's paganism. Uh, it really is. It's a very bad form of paganism, actually. Um, nowhere in Scripture do you find a separate God. And here, this person of David, he, he, he dares to link his most personal my to the infinite I am and say we are absolutely one. My union, not separate at all, where David is. I am is. And if David is in danger, then he is in that danger inside and one with I am. Do you get it? Where you are in this moment as I speak, you and I, we are inside of him whose name is I am. And I am is inside of me and inside of you. You are not alone. The words separate and alone are impossible 
in an understanding of the God of the Bible. He says, I am absolutely one, and he names I am my shepherd. He said, I am my shepherd. That is all that I need at this moment is summed up in the word shepherd. What What's summed up in the word shepherd? Well, if you've been around sheep, you know for sure. Shepherd means care. And, and of course, I am speaking now primarily of the Eastern shepherds. Um, many of our um, Western shepherds are more butchers than they are shepherds. Shepherds care for the sheep, care for them individually. And you're back to that, uh, you're not just one of a mass. You're not just one of that thing called Christians. No, no, it's it's intimate, it's my And the shepherds, which I've seen in Israel, and probably many of you have too, the shepherds call their sheep, sometimes a flock of three, four hundred sheep, but each one has a personal name, pet name. And the shepherd will walk away just reeling off the names of his sheep. And as they hear their name, they fall in behind him and follow him. It's an amazing thing. The care, the personal knowledge of the shepherd. Now, Jesus is in us. He's one with us. Don't you recognize these words? I am shepherd, don't you? Jesus said that and identified himself with that. Do you realize Jesus was quoting this verse when he said, I am the good shepherd? Jesus is, I am become flesh. I am has entered into our humanity. And he is closer to us than breathing. He comes and he cares for us. He knows us by name. He knows us by our nicknames. He knows us. And knowing us as shepherd, he is provider. Shepherds, if I sum the word up, is provision and provider. Sheep are dead without a shepherd. They don't know where to look. He's their protector. Sheep are the most vulnerable of animals. They are surrounded by predators. Shepherd is their shield of protection. He's their comforter. Every night it was comfort session. The sheep were allowed into the fold by going under the staff of the shepherd. And as they went under it, he felt them all over for cuts and bruises and briars. And he was their healer. He was everything. Shepherd. And David says, my shepherd. We're linked. We're joined. He's in me and one with me. Jesus, good shepherd, has brought that to its ultimate truth and dwells inside of us through the Holy Spirit. This is not theory. This is being spoken from my heart to yours on this day, in this situation we are. You're not alone. You are one with the shepherd himself. And David goes on to describe this life in the shepherd and As I say, it sounds like this marvelous oasis in a wilderness, green pastures, still waters, 
restoration of soul, guidance through paths of righteousness. And then he says, even though. Now, that that's okay, even though, because he separates it out. Um, maybe a more literal translation would be also, as if, don't don't think my life is just this oasis of peace that I've been describing. He said, there are other days, you know. And, and he says also, or even though, as one would say, even if it comes to that, even though not all days are sunshine, he said. Not all days are the oasis. It might come to this, the even though. <clears throat> we come to the valley, a a valley dark place, especially the valleys he was speaking of in the Judean wilderness. It's it's low lying ground, so you're you're going down, and as you go down, you lose sight of the sun many times. There are immense rocks and boulders, all of them casting yet further shadows and darkness. And he says, I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's interesting, just as an aside, really. But he said, I walk. <laughs> uh, that, that's the kind of place that most people would run for their lives through. Um, get out of this place. But he reports that he walks. Sort of a leisurely walk. There's no panic here. Please hear me. There's absolutely no panic. He says, I walk. In a moment, he's going to say, I fear no evil. Um, what am I saying? He, he's, he's walking through the valley, this extremely dark place with hidden dangers, but the bigger dangers are the fears that are hidden in the shadows. Um, but he says, in it all, I keep pace with the shepherd. I don't run like a scared sheep. I walk in pace with the shepherd. And it's a leisurely walk. Think about that. He walks in peace. You could almost say there's joy in his step. Because he's not in step with the shadows. He's in step with the shepherd. Do you get that? If I'm in step with the shadows, I will run for my life terrified you'll only see the white of my eyes i want to get out of here but with a shepherd as we have walked in the paths of righteousness as i walked you into the green pastures and still waters let's walk through this valley the same pace the same leisureliness the same i am my shepherd and so he says, it was the valley of the shadow of death. I said they were low-lying. You, you know, you've been in valleys. It's where the mountains come down, usually, or a high place. And even as you enter it, there's the incline downward. And you go down into the valley. The words down and valley belong together. Low-lying places. And as I say, they were usually narrow um, they were dark. I'm just going to say, were they still are? Um, and also, it's those rocks that that's 
the rocks and the boulders that have rolled down the side of the valley. And that, that's what is kind of scary. For, for the average sheep, that's spooky because who, who knows what's behind the boulders? Who knows what's between the boulders, you see? Um, and, and of course, as you go down into the valley and begin to experience the overall shadow and the extra shadow of the boulders and rocks, um, it gets cold. See, you're out of the sunlight and, and, and shadows always as a drop of temperature. And so that only adds to the unease of the moment. It's cold, it's clammy, it's, well, it's the valley, and it's full of shadows. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Um, some say it should be the shadow of deep darkness of death. Another translates it, um, the shade of death. Whatever way you put it, the word death holds its own terrors. And you could simply leave it at that. That was the valley. It would appear to be sort of the valley of valleys, the mother of valleys, um, had this designation by all the shepherds. Uh, You had to go through it. It was part of the wilderness, but... They all looked upon it as the worst of the worst, the valley of the shadow of death. And what what does it mean? Well, number one, it's the shadow. That's important. I didn't say it was the valley of death. It was the valley of the shadow of death. And when it's the shadow of death, do do, do you hear me? It's the cold, clammy darkness, the shadow and death seems very close as you get into the ravine and descend into this this dark place. It's an, but it isn't death. It's the shadow of it. And sometimes the shadow is worse than the thing. You know what I mean? Do you remember when you were a kid? It was the shadows that got you. Um, shadows. That that even in the bedroom, you know, the curtains fell into shadows, and and the tall boy cast its own shadow, and and all the shadows were filled with a lot more than was really there. You know, shadows exaggerate, shadows magnify um, not only what is there, but they produce what isn't there. And add your imagination to the shadows, and the shadows become monstrous, apocalyptic. So he says it's the shadow of death. Um, it's not actually death, but it's, it's the shadow, it's the presence. It's, it's almost as if death is breathing down my neck. Shadow of death. And of course, the, the, the first meaning that would come to that is physical death. And you probably heard me say it before, there's only one fear. You know that. That's the fear of death. Um, all all, All other fears go back to that one fear of death. Um, why are you afraid there won't be any money? Because then you couldn't buy food or, or drink and probably you couldn't afford a house and what you would die, you see. Why are you afraid of spiders? Because if one bites me, I'll die. Um, why am I afraid of water? Because if I fell in, I would drown and die, and so on. 
um, fear of death is the, the mother. That's where all fears are conceived and birthed, fear of death. And, and right now we are facing that, not only in this country, of course, but throughout the whole world. And, and it has shown its power, if I could use that word, um, I don't know if you've looked at it like this, but the world goes on its way and it's, it's, it's full of a future. It's full of a certain kind of um, joy, a certain kind of movement forward. Um, it, it's, it's, it's full of a certain kind of buoyancy. It's, it, it's uh, sort of we've got life by the tail and and within a matter of minutes, <clears throat> our entire world civilization can lose that. It's amazing to me when I go around town and look into the eyes of people and see sheer terror. I mean, panic, fear. And it's as if all that joy and buoyancy and life is good and that was just a thin thin here in texas we we have so much um, stone um, rock underneath the ground and it looks like you know there, there's there's a lot of earth there but you put your spade in and there's only about two inches of earth then you hit rock and um it's almost like that, just a, a thin veneer of everything is right, but bubbling under the surface, just, just, just under the surface is fear. And something like this comes along and scrapes the surface and we are descending into a people who are terrified to move. Fear. And it's the fear of death. Right here, we're standing right in this verse. This is what it's about. <clears throat> Put that on hold. Because death has other meanings too. In the scripture, death is um, the illusion of separation from God. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. That didn't only mean physical death, because actually they didn't. Um, but they entered into the great lie the great illusion that they were separated from God. As I said a moment ago, that God is up, God is over, that, that I'm alone here. And many times um, people would almost applaud that. I'm on my own, I'm an independent person, I do my thing, I'm in control of life. But in, in days like today, that becomes a terrifying thing that I am alone in, in this illusion of our heads that sin brought with it, that we're separated from God. I'm left to handle this. I feel abandoned. And, and, and all anxiety, okay, here's another one. Anxiety is built on the presupposition, I'm alone and God isn't here. Do you understand that? Every time we have worry and anxiety, it presupposes that I'm alone and God isn't with me and I'm left to handle this. And we reach out for anything that will give us the illusion of control. I've got to get a handle on this. 
Hence people crowding into stores um, to buy and, and say, now I've got a control of this. I suppose a roll of toilet paper in my hand tells me I'm controlling the situation. If it was so insignificant, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. What, what was going to happen? I feel like I'm a twig being rushed down the river on the, 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 the current, uh, and I can't stop what, what's happening. This terrible anxiety that comes from the, the feeling, the illusion, the lie that we are separated from God. Yes, where is this the shadow of death? I say again, it's it's not death, but it's the shadow. It's the shadow, and as I said a moment ago, shadows make things look bigger than they really are, more terrifying. Shadows give shapes to things that aren't really there. You know that you you see things in a shadow that is not really there, but it is there when you look at it. And it's something other than real, but it looks terribly real to you. And so you're caught in this, this terrible vice of, of fear. Not, not only the fears I've just described, but now the shadows. And in the shadows, there are the, the whispers. They're, they're menacing. Oh, yes, we're all little children at heart. And we're still afraid because it looks like something other than the curtains that are hanging there. It's menacing. Look, we have, for in many parts, have become a people who listen to the shadows. We, we, we've made it our business. We tune in when we get up in the morning to listen to what the shadows are saying. You know, um, I, I, I know people that spend literally all day, now they've got nothing else to do, just listening to the news cycle that repeats over and over and over and over again. Just opinions of fear, feeding fear, and then coming and saying, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I, I think somehow we might have forgotten the shepherd. You see, the word forget does not mean amnesia. That's our Western idea. In the Bible, the word forget means to leave something as irrelevant to today. So I leave it back there at another time in my history and say it was good then, but it's of no use here. And the Bible calls that forgetting it. It just means leaving it, not, not connecting with it. It's irrelevant, forgetting and I find many people in days like this, and this is extreme, but what I'm saying applies to every twist and turn of anxiety, you see, because it's all the same thing when you boil it down. We forget that is Jesus, the presence of the shepherd who is none other than I am himself. We, we count him somehow irrelevant when things get bad, the deeper the shadows in the valley of the shadow of death, the deeper the shadows, 
the more we tend to leave him as irrelevant to this situation so that he's relevant to the oasis. Do you remember the oasis? Sunshine, green pastures, still waters. Oh, Jesus is wonderful and we'll all gather and sing songs about Jesus. But when we're in this, we go to pieces. And that's simply an irrelevant memory. I'm in this situation, don't you understand? We're listening to the whispers of the shadows and the 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 shepherd who is not only beside us, he's in us, yet we seem to have forgotten. And we listen to the shadows and not to the shepherd. See, fear, fear is in conspiracy with the shadows. I think I've said that well enough in the last few minutes. And, and I've called it the whispers. I say whispers because that's what it really is. You know, no one comes right out and says it, but it's there in the shadows. What if? What if? It could happen. What if? And of course, the, the news cycle pours it on. Yes, what if? You know, someone comes along and says, now, if this happens and if that happens and if that happens, dear God, this is going to happen. Yes, but nothing's happened, has it? It's just what if? It's possible. It's possible. What if? Just suppose. Perhaps. And you wake up in the morning and there's a tickle in your throat. And you say, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I've got a slight headache. I have it. You know, that really comes from the shadows. It's saying as soon as you wake up, have you got it? Have you got it? Is it there? What if? And then you try and look ahead and you hear the whisper, are you going to survive? Are you going to make it through this? And if you do make it through, what's going to happen then? Huh. What's next? Threat behind every boulder, in every shadow between the rocks, threat of an attack. What's next? The valley of the shadows. Shadow of death. And of course, all this always brings out, especially if you're a religious person. Religion has no answer to this, you know, absolutely none. None. And all religion can tell you. I heard it. I, I, I thought I wasn't going to hear it this time, but all good old religion came up with it. This is God's wrath and punishment. Yes, they have to say it there. Just locked into a miserable God like that. But it, I don't need religion, do I? Old guilt comes up. And shame. And with all guilt and shame, there comes the ideas of punishment. And, you know, maybe, may you know, God's with others, but, and, and the favorite word is, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. This is not for the likes of me. I, I've not been, I haven't done. I should have, I ought to have. And now my sins are catching up. It's the heart of fear, I suppose. The Bible says that fear has judgment. It always does. Fear always threatens you. You're going to get punished somehow. 
And then it says, and perfect love casts out all fear. And I love that, especially in the original language it was written in the ideas of a bouncer in a nightclub. Casts out, it means picks up fear and kicks it down the steps flat on his face. I like that. But David says, even though, if it's going to be one of those days, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Notice he speaks in the present tense. I fear no evil. For thou art with me. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. The word evil there is not moral evil. Uh, It's the evil that would hurt me. Maybe a better word even for evil would be harm or pain or destruction or, or all the negatives that come bombarding us on days like this. He says, I I feel no harm. I I fear no destruction attacking me. Now, he's not whistling in the dark. You know, things are bad, so I'm just going to, I don't fear, I'm not afraid. No, 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 no. David's not so foolish as that. He gives us a reason. He said, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. He has not forgotten the shepherd. The shepherd is relevant to this moment. And my union with the shepherd is the pulse beat of this moment. He said, that's the reason. My reason is not based on an empty, fluffy non-hope thou art with me i've been trying to emphasize it didn't come out too well in the hebrew language that david wrote this in the word thou is emphatic sort of standing alone you've got to add a bit of a shout to it i fear no evil you you are with me. He who is, I am. He who is the source. He who is supply. He who is, I was going to say greater than the valley. Of course he's greater than the valley. He's greater than all valleys. He's the creator. And he's inside of you. And he's got his arms around you. You, you, creator God, you are with me. And and so he is saying this infinite person, you. In fact, the, the way it's written here in Old English, thou, thou we don't speak that way anymore. But the word thou is the, the most, well, personal is the only word I can say. You, you don't say it just to anybody. You say it to someone who's close, someone that you trust, someone that's part of your intimate circle. Thou. Thou art with me. God himself 
in all of his most personal love and power is with me. And remember what I referenced um, a little while ago. Jesus was quoting this when he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, now think about that. Have you ever connected I am that Jesus said with all of these Old Testament I ams? Jesus was claiming to be the I am of the Old Testament. Now become flesh, one of us. God joined inside our human race. Do you realize this? I, I don't know if I could say it better if I had five hours to say it. That God himself, through his limitless, unconditional love for you, joined us inside our humanity. Not a special humanity, sort of living five feet above our reality. But Jesus joined our flesh he came into our world and he faced our life in fact in revelation 7 there's a verse and i don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about it maybe it just slides over our tongue but there it says it's speaking of the flock of god and the shepherd and it says you can check it revelation 7 it says the lamb which you know is one of Jesus' favorite expressions, the Lamb, he is the Lamb of God. But it says the Lamb was the shepherd and wiped all tears from their eyes. Just just to hold it. <clears throat> Shepherds look after lambs. Lambs are not shepherds. You, you understand me. Lambs belong to the flock. Shepherds are something else, not in God's world. For God so loved us, he became one of the flock. And God, who is the lamb, is the shepherd, came where we are. And he took the whole of death, death itself, and all the lies and delusions of separation, he took you into himself. And when he died, he took that to death. And when he resurrected, he carried you with him in that triumph. Resurrect. Do you know what that means? Resurrect is an interesting word because it has only happened once in the history of the human race. So, um, you, you know, in science, you need to have it happen at least two or three times so you can start experimenting and comparing. Resurrect. What's it mean? Well, I, I suppose you could say it means the ultimate contradiction of death. You know, who, who, who can, well, I use the word defeat. That's another, needs a bit of talk, but... Who can defeat death? Well, Jesus, who is God, but become you, become me. 
offered himself up to death. And I mean that he chose to die. Nobody made him die. He entered into death by choice. Why? Because he's going to come right to the very gut source of every problem we have. Come to the gut source of our brokenness. All that stands between us from our side and him. And and when death has got you, well, that's it, isn't it? Well, Jesus said no. And he contradicted death. And death was defeated. And when Jesus rose from the dead, it meant that nothing that death had ever done or ever planned to do could ever again be success. And so if we talk about physical death, let's talk about it for a minute. That's, as I said, the valley of the shadow of death. Well, it's the fear of death. Are you afraid of death? That's an honest question. Jesus said, I am, there it is again, the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me shall never die. But just a minute. People die. Yeah, but not in the sense that death would have them die. There is no more fear in death for a believer. Every one of us, including me speaking to you, we're all going to die. But Jesus said in the act of dying, it would have no sting. It would have no pain. We would not die in the sense that death would have us die. It, it, It means, in fact, he said, that for you, dying would be like falling into a beautiful sleep. Do you remember that? All the way through the Gospels, that's all Jesus said. They fell asleep, they fell asleep. And that goes over into the epistles when the earliest church spoke of people dying. They talked of falling asleep. The pain of death is in those that are left to, to see, see the person die. But the person dying is entering into bliss. They are entering into a joy never known and so on. As many of you know, um, it's just nearly a year ago that my wife fell asleep in Jesus. And I will never forget, and I hope you understand this, that as I came in the office and I found her on the floor, and I realized as clearly as I've ever realized anything, we, me, enter into immediate sorrow and mourning, but she was not mourning us. She had entered into the eternal joy and peace, knowing Jesus as she had never known him before, and she knew him very well. We do the mourning, we have the pain of loss, But death itself has lost that power, can't do it anymore. And and if you are facing death with fear, then why don't you shout at it that it's a liar 
and read Hebrews 2.15, that Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, so that those who had lived all their life in the fear of death, fear it no more. This, this, this is a fact. It's the valley of the shadow of death. But we're walking in that valley of the shadow of death. Indeed, it is a shadow because it's not what it was. Jesus contradicted death to the point death lost its power and it's over. And as to the other meaning of death, of separation, well, it's exposed as an illusion. It's an absolute, and I'll say damnable lie. You are not separated from God. Jesus, the good shepherd, became one of us. How closer can you get? That, 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 I think that blows the lid off the idea of separation forever. God so loved us, he became one of us and still is one of us. Couldn't be closer to lie. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's only a shadow. It's, it's only an appearance. I could almost say a mirage. Because the shepherd who walks with you walks in you and when he died he carried you through death and is triumphant in you as the resurrection, the one who lives. And so, yeah, we hear what? We hear the whispers. I hear the whispers. That's why I could tell you about them. But I talk back and say the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in my mortal body. And I was quoting that from Romans 8. It is so. He lives in us. And we face death and laugh in its face because it doesn't have the power. Whether that power be in a fear of physical death or whether it be in the face of all its lies that produce the anxiety that you're alone. No. Thou. Thou who is I am. Thou who is I am become flesh. Thou that actually entered into death and rose out of it and said it's over, it's finished. And that thou that lives inside of you and I today, that's the way it is. <clears throat> and, and, and this isn't just for the valley time. You see, listen how he, he, he says. See, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So he's, he's, he's looking ahead. If it comes to that, if one of those days happens... Then he speaks in the present tense, I fear no evil. Well, he was talking about something in the future, but he brings it right back to now. For thou art with me, present tense. See, he, there's no special coming of Jesus for the valley of the shadow of death. Same Jesus as led you beside the still waters and frolicked with you in the green pastures doesn't make any difference as he was so he is and all that he is he was and all that he was he is he's the unchanging God he sums all this up in the last verse 
surely. That's a good word, surely. It means you can take this one to the bank. But possibly a better translation would be only. So, and they really do fit together if you think about it. Surely, it's absolutely true. No doubt, surely, only goodness and loving kindness will follow me. Boy, I could spend an hour on that, couldn't we? Only. And and the word follow there is everywhere else in the Old Testament translated more in terms of um, pursuing relentlessly. Actually, it's, it's used of an enemy coming and relentlessly pursuing you. And this one time, he uses it to describe the goodness and loving kindness of God with a greater relentlessness than the enemy pursuing us. You, you, you don't have to coach God and tell him how to get to you. Uh-huh. You, you, you don't have to keep praying and, and saying, please help, please help. <laughs> no. He loves you. He who loves you doesn't need help in finding you. He who loves you doesn't need your continual nagging him to be with you. He is. He says you can take that one to the bank. It's only goodness that comes from him, only loving kindness that pours from him into you. So he says, relax. That's the way it is. You see, the fact is, I I said it, you're in the shepherd. The shepherd is in you. This is an incredible relationship. Well, where is Jesus the shepherd? Where is he? You say, well, he's in heaven. Where are you then? It says all through the epistles in the New Testament, it says you are now in heavenly places, right now. Jesus himself said, speaking of himself, that he was in heaven on earth in heaven. Well, I don't have time to work that conundrum out, except I'm now in him, so I'm in heaven in the middle of this earth, just as it is right now, in heaven on earth, in heaven. I am in the midst of this earth with all the peace and all the joy and all that Jesus is in me, around me, under me, over me. Yeah, surely. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, I'm sorry to do this because I do it a lot but I have to. That's a bad translation. I'm sorry. I will. Do you know in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, there is no future tense? Yeah, you heard me right. So then why does it say will? Because that's future. I'm sorry, the translators thought that God needed help learning English and that he needed a future tense. And so they put it in there. That's not in the original manuscript of this psalm. 
This psalm originally, as David wrote it, says, I do dwell. I do. I am now dwelling in the house of the Lord and will do so forever. And forever doesn't mean a vague when I get to heaven, when I die. Forever means from vanishing point to vanishing point now. I am now dwelling in the house of the Lord. Lord, no, there it is again, I am. He says, I am dwelling. My residency is in the house of I am. And what is the house of I am? If you know your Old Testament, it was that holy of holies where the very presence and glory of God dwelled above the Ark of the Covenant, under the wings of the cherubim. Just a minute. Did you listen to my last hour that I did on Psalm 91? I bet a bunch of you did. Do you remember how that began? Under the shadow of El Shaddai. To come into the house of someone was to come under the shadow of their roof, which meant you were under their protection, provision, care, basically forever. Just a minute, did I say shadow? He says, in the valley of the shadow of death, with everything I've just said about that, he said, I dwell In the house of I am, I've come under the shadow of I am, El Shaddai. What a thought. What a thought. That right at this moment, right at this moment, feel this moment, you are inside, one with Jesus, and you dwell in him and with him, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, You're under the shadow of God, all provider, all protector. You are under the shadow of God himself, your immunity. He is your shield. And those stupid whispers of the darkness of the shadows of valley of death, forget it. Laugh in their face and Focus on truth. If you must listen to the news, get the headlines and shut it off. You don't need those feeding your imagination. You need the truth of him who is and is with and is in. What a thought. You see, your feelings are governed by the one you agree with. If you agree with the shadows in the valley, you will be sucked into their fear. If you agree with I am in the face of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit within you, agree with him that it is so, you will be drawn into the embrace that is already there, but you'll wake up to see and to know. 
You see, I, I know that many of you listening, and I'm done here, but quickly, how can I say this? I want you to know I'm saying it without any accusation. I'm pointing out a fact that you have been raised with a gospel. It's the gospel of destination. Um, many times as I've been in airports or public places, young evangelists have come to accost me and they always begin, do you know where you'll spend eternity? That's become a stock phrase, hasn't it? That's evangelicalism. Do you know where you'll spend eternity? Um, I've got, had some that are a bit more raw, and they say, if you walked out this building and got knocked over by a bus, where would you go? And Destination. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Their gospel is all about where are you going? Um, I don't have time to prove it, but if you read through the New Testament, you won't find that there, period. It's not there. The gospel is not about destination. The gospel is about relationship. It, the, the gospel is about this, this God in the face of Jesus Christ who joined himself to us. And now in the middle of this, he is your life, he is your comfort, he's your friendship, he's your shield, your strength, your provision. He is, he, thou. You in him and he in you. That is the way it is. That's the gospel, that's relationship. <clears throat> I, I, I've been listening. <clears throat> I've been re <clears throat> reading too on the internet. People are saying a lot about what's happening. And you can always pick out the uh, that poor, sad, non-gospel of destination. What have they got to say today? I'll tell you what they're saying. They're saying it all over the web. Well, we can always comfort ourselves that one day, and some say very soon, because whenever trouble happens, well, it must be the end of the world. Um, but one day, yes, one day, you know, this will all be over and we'll be living in, in heaven and bliss and peace. But until then, we just pray it out. Poor sad people. They, they love this. We will dwell in the house of the Lord. We will, we will. No, you is, you are. Right at this minute, Christ is your life. Look, it's time to take that beautiful little um, thing off the bathroom wall that contains Psalm 23 so you can read it while you're in the bathroom you know or maybe you've got something similar Psalm 23 on your refrigerator well whatever it's it's not something sentimental take it off the wall take it off the refrigerator this psalm that I've tried to just open the door this is the enabling, the now in this micro nanosecond in which we live. Now is releasing the energy of God himself into you in this now, where we live now, what we're facing now. Let this psalm take over your imagination. You know it well enough, but 
take these specific verses and, and, and shout them back in the face of the whispers in the darkness and realize that he's not up, he's not over, he's in you. I am my shepherd. My means he's inside your my. That's the way it is. And now the blessing of God who is now. Almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit encompass you, embrace you, kiss you, bring you comfort and bring you peace and be your strength that you shall walk in his victory through these days. So I now bless you and now impart to you his blessing and in every day henceforth that's the way it is